11 today is the culmination of the 40-day fast. We have fasted together as a church for 40 days. I appreciate those of you who have been able to fast and be a part of that and participate in that. And as a celebration of the fast this morning, we're going to participate together in communion. In the Old Testament, if you look, a lot of the fast are finished off by feast. And the Feast of Weeks um, finished off comes behind the fast. So this morning, we have a great, a great opportunity to worship with our Lord, to worship with our Savior. But before then, we're going to take a look at the necessity of the blood. Here in our scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 11... The Bible says in verse number 23, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, that same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is a new testament in my blood. This, this do ye, as often as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink of this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Thank you, Lord, for that promise. Verse 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body the blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. If you flip back there in verse number 10, or chapter 10 and verse number 16, Paul says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. So as I said, we're going to look this morning at the necessity of the blood. Father, thank you so much for the gift of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the gift of the blood. Thank you that the blood was sufficient to be sprinkled on the mercy seat of God. That we might obtain your throne room. That we might come boldly into the throne room. God, that, that we might... Receive forgiveness and salvation, God. Thank you so much for loving us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God, I pray you'd be in the midst of this place this morning. I pray that your presence would continue to move in here. I pray you'd bless every soul in this place, God. I pray you'd meet each one in the place where we need to be met. Teach us what we need to know, God. I pray you'd give help to those that are hurting. And Lord, give wisdom to all of us. You said that we could ask wisdom. But Father, we pray most of all, may you be pleased with what we do in this place on this day. God, we love you. We thank you and we praise you in the precious holy name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, you guys. can be seated. In a, in a letter to Frederick the Great, Voltaire is a French philosopher. And in his dissatisfaction with Christianity, he wrote this letter to Frederick the Great. And he wrote that Christianity is the bloodiest religion that the world has ever known. It seems amazing to me when I think about things like Islam and, and those religions, the false religions of the world that proclaim death to the infidel. If you don't think like me, I'll just kill you. <laughs> well, that wouldn't go very far, would it? If you don't agree with my religion, then you're worthy only of death. 
So they have this mentality of anybody that isn't like them, then they should just kill them. And they call Christianity a bloody religion. That's amazing to me because Christianity and the Word of God, all I've ever heard it teaches love thy neighbor as thyself. All I've ever heard it teach it is to love people, even love your enemy. It doesn't say to hate the infidel. It doesn't say to kill the one who doesn't agree with what you believe. It says to love them, and through loving them, in spite of them, they might see Christ in us, that they too might come to know Christ. The Bible tells us what I know is to love thine enemy, to pray for those that, that spitefully use you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you. The Bible tells us that, that by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, Jesus said, that ye have love one for another. That yet, this, this Voltaire calls it a, a bloody religion. He obviously knows nothing about the blood of Jesus, yet he's famous for such a foolish comment. We talk a lot about our forefathers. We talk a lot about where we come from. We talk about how our forefathers were, were godly men, and true they were. Many, many truly, truly were. And this is a nation founded on the principles of God Almighty, founded on the principles of this book, founded on the principles of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of the Lamb. It, it is founded on the Holy Word of God. But everybody in our past wasn't rooted quite so deep. John Adams, second president of the United States, served 1797 to, to 1801. He served as vice president under George Washington. But he wrote a letter on December 27, 1816, to, to F.A. Vanderkemp. You can go online, you can Google it, you can read this entire letter. It is there for the reading. But in that letter, John Adams calls Christianity the most bloody religion that ever existed. Now, I don't claim to have a fraction of the intellectual intelligence of these two men but i do know this if it wasn't for the blood we would have no hope if it wasn't for the blood of the lamb of god we would be as all men most miserable and, and i also know that that christianity is not a religion it is a relationship with god the father through the blood of jesus christ the son John Adams, in his letter, he claims that he has been a Christian for more than 60 years. It's part of the opening paragraph of the letter as you read it, stating of how he's this Christian. He puts all of his faith into it for, for more than 60 years. However, let me give you some facts. John Adams did not believe in sin. John Adams did not believe in the original sin that was committed in the garden that condemned all of mankind. John Adams did not believe in the Trinity, the Incarnation, the atonement, nor did he believe in eternal death. He also made it completely clear that he did not believe in the infallibility of the Word of God. So for those reasons, looking at the fruit on his tree, I can boldly and plainly say John Adams is not a Christian. I, I can say that right now he believes in sin. Right now he believes in the infallibility of the Word of God. Right now he believes in eternal damnation. But it's too late for John Adams. What is it about the blood? You know, some people see blood and, I mean, they're out cold. Uh, one, one, of, one of our movies, we've seen, like we've seen it 30, 40 times, is Shrek. Anybody watch Shrek? If y'all ain't watched Shrek, man, y'all missing half your life. 
About the only thing I know better than Shrek I have recently come to, to be entertained by is the Philly Fanatics. Y'all ever watch the YouTubes on the Philly Fanatics? Y'all need some joy in your life. You need to watch it. He's a nut. That green thing with a long nose is kind of like Shrek. You need something in your life to make you laugh. And, and if it wasn't for the donkey, Shrek wouldn't be worth watching. But the donkey's the dude, man. But one of my favorite parts, and I, if we've seen it 30 times, when we watch it the next time, I'm going to laugh 31 times. When that joke says, is that, is, that, is that blood? And his little eyes roll. He's like a dish rag. Cracks me up every time. A lot of people are like that, man. Is that, is that, is that blood? They, they're down for the count. Eyes roll back, they're out cold. Some, some people look at blood. The minute they see it, they start. And you see them running, and some people get sick. Some get sick to just talk about the blood. You, you can't even mention it. It's kind of like Miss Sylvia and snakes. Watch her cringe. Watch her cringe. You just say snakes. She can't stand it. Don't tell her there's a snake in her office and she won't work no more this week. <laughs> so some people like that about, about the blood. They can't stand the sight of it. But as Christians, the blood is our only hope. We, we celebrate it because it is the blood of the Lamb of God that cleanses all of our sins, that gave us a new birth, that gives us a new life, that gives us a new eternity, that can never be taken away. The sacrifice that Jesus Christ paid on the cross was the blood. It is his body that was broken. And praise God, it says that by his stripes we are healed. But it is the blood that shed down on the ground. It's the blood that he picked up. It's the blood that he carried to the Father. It's the blood that he sprinkled on the mercy seat of God. It's the blood that erased all of my sins and yours. It's the blood that caused my name to be written in the Lamb's book of life. It's all about the blood. The blood in the human body does an awful lot for us. It has a, a lot of purposes. It, of course, circulates through the body, but it does a lot of things when it does. It goes through the lungs. It gets oxygenated. It carries oxygen to all the body so that the body has oxygen to take care of itself. It, it, it keeps nutrients there. It's actually the blood that keeps us alive, that, that keeps us healthy. But it's the, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that gives a Christian spiritual life. It's the blood of Jesus that, that is... The, res the responsibility, the sole responsibility for our relationship with the Father. Had Jesus not shed the blood, we, we had no part with the Father. And our bodies, the blood being a cleansing agent, constantly circulating through, it takes impurities from the body and it brings them back up and it cycles it out through waste. It gets rid of the impurities. It's constantly cleansing, but... The blood of Jesus also is a cleansing agent. Praise God. It cleanses all of my sin. Not just the ones that I did before I got saved, but the ones that I've done since I got saved. Anything that we do today, the blood is sufficient. Anything that we do tomorrow, the blood is sufficient. So all isn't all up until now. All is all. All of our sins are cleansed in the blood. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that works daily to remove sin from our spiritual bodies. I mean, salvation is a one-time thing. When you and I trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we asked God in the name of Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins, save our souls, take the blood of the Lamb and wash away all of our sins, write our name in the Lamb's book of life, never to be erased. At that moment, the blood was applied and the Holy Spirit of God filled our soul. You're already washed and you're already filled with the Spirit, but the blood doesn't stop working then. The blood always works. 
Once the blood is applied, it's always working. We always have access to the throne room. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 through 9 says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. But then he says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The cleansing is a daily process. But the verse also says that, that if we are in the light, that we have fellowship with one another. If we have broken fellowship with another Christian, then our fellowship with the Father is hindered. As a matter of fact, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, in the opening third of the sermon, he says in verse 23, Therefore, if thy bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. The fellowship of the family is very important to God. The fellowship of the brethren, the brothers and sisters in Christ, is very important to God. God does not divide His family. We are to be one united together. Just like our body must be cleansed every day, so must our spirit. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? When we look at Christ, we have benefits of the blood. We know with full certainty that the blood washes away all the sins of our past. We know when we become a child of God, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is at the Last Supper there. He's talking to his disciples in verse 27. He took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Jesus is telling the disciples this is the New Testament. This is the new covenant. You no longer have to go to a man high priest to pray on your behalf. You no longer have to sacrifice lambs and rams and bulls and goats. You no longer have to take that stuff to the temple once a year for the sins of the people. You no longer have to have the two doves or the two um, birds that, that they could use if they were poor. You no longer have to bring those things in. Jesus says, my blood is sufficient for remission of all sin. You don't ever have to go back there again. The cross paid it all. We saw there, Hebrews 9, 14, that, that even our conscience is clean. We, we have been ransomed from a lost life. We have been ransomed from what we were, and that is separated from God. We have been ransomed from our guilt, not just past guilt, but all guilt. We have been ransomed from our shame. When Jesus Christ climbed up on that cross, and remember, no, nobody put him on that cross. He chose to get on that cross. He said, I lay down my life freely that I might take it up again. When Jesus Christ climbed up on that cross, he took my shame. He took our shame, and he ransomed it. It's all done by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not only does it cleanse our past, 
but it cleanses our present. Colossians 1.21 says, And you were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. We're no longer living a life of sin. We're no longer living that, that dead life. We're no longer living in, in dead works. We have access to the throne of mercy that we might obtain grace. We can go into the throne room of God anytime we want to. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Getting saved made us forgiven, but it didn't make us perfect. We, we still battle with the flesh. We still battle with nature. We still battle with mistakes, and mistakes can be another uh, little less invasive word for sin. But if the mistake is against God's word, then it's really just called sin. We, we still need forgiveness. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But forgiveness is available anytime we want to take time to stop and pray. Anytime we want to go into the throne room and ask God to forgive us for our failures, it's because of the blood of Jesus that he says that we can cast all of our cares upon him. 1 Peter 5, 7, he said, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. There's nothing that we cannot go into the throne room of God about. There's nothing going on in your life that is so small that it doesn't matter to God. There's nothing going on in your life that is so big that God can't fix it. We can literally go into the throne room for anything. Now, now that hasn't always been true. When we were lost, there, there's a lot of lost people today. Y'all hear this as much as I do, and I'm certainly not being judgmental. I'm not. I'm just holding on to what the Bible says, that you can tell a, a tree by its fruit. And there's a lot of people out there have some wicked, nasty fruit. They ain't been near a church, and they don't want nothing to do with the church. They don't care anything about God, the Word of God. They don't care anything about you witnessing to them, but let trouble come their way. And here's what they'll say. Well, I've been praying. Let me just give you one for free. Live stream in the house doesn't matter. If you have never asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and save your soul, if you have never been washed in the blood of the Lamb of God and your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, your prayers ain't getting past the sound of your voice. God ain't listening to you, and he ain't going to hear you because you are not a child of God, and he is not bound to listen to your prayers. But God will hear this, to all that are lost, to all that are living, to all that are breathing. Father, I'm a sinner. You've got God's automatic attention. At that point, as a lost heathen that I was, God begins to listen at the moment you say, Father, I'm a sinner. Lord, I need to be saved. I'm asking you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sin and save my soul. At the moment you become a child of God, you just gain instant access to the holiest place that's ever created. You can go boldly into the throne room of grace. So when we pray, not only are we forgiven of our sins, but we're sanctified by the blood. Hebrews 13, 12 says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. The blood of Jesus is it's the energy source for us. You, you have to have, you know, if we don't eat, we start getting weak. Y'all can look and tell I haven't been weak very many times. 
If we don't partake of some food, if we don't absorb some food and, and put it in our body, you can keep it in the pantry, you can have a refrigerator full, you can haul it around in your car. But if you don't eat it, it does no good. We have to absorb food that, that we get energy. The same thing is true with our spiritual body. If we don't absorb a spiritual diet, if we don't put some spiritual food in our body, then our spiritual life begins to grow weak. If we don't drink water, anybody ever gone a long time without water? Anybody ever been really dehydrated? Anybody ever been in a really bad spot? You're so weak, your body's cramping, you have no energy left. That time Raquel knows what I'm talking about, Yamoke Bujo, Panama, man, I thought we were going to die when we ran out of water, 116-degree heat index, working on a metal roof. I learned the value of the water because when Pastor Glenn Morales from Costa Rica got there in Panama and brought us that case of water, I drank one bottle of water and my body instantly began to gain strength. It instantly began to refresh itself. I learned the benefit of the water. If the body does not have water, the body will die. Well, the same thing is true in our spiritual life. We, we've got to pull up to the living water. We've got to spend some time putting in some living water that the body doesn't become dehydrated. If we get up in the morning and, and we head out, how many of you walk out every morning, you get up out of bed, and first things first, you've got to go into that little room with the porcelain, and then you come back because you've been asleep all night. Somebody's going to drink some coffee, some water, some something. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, if, if we leave the house without it, for those that drink coffee every morning, it ain't going to be long until your head is going to let you know that you forgot your caffeine. Whatever it is that you're accustomed to, if it's a Coke, it's not going to be long before your body will let you know you didn't do what it is that you normally do. If we walk out without any kind of water or anything we go through, it's not going to take long until our body is going to start letting us know that, hey, you need to get some water. You need to get something wet inside of you. The same thing is true with our spiritual body. We get up in a hurry and we rush out the door and we don't pull up to the well. We don't stop by the source of the living water. We don't spend a little bit of time in the Word of God. We don't spend a time getting some living water poured down into the soul. It's not going to take long till somebody at work is going to get on your nerves. That's kind of like the headache telling you you forgot your coffee. It's not going to take long till somebody rubs you the wrong way and you put them in their place and they walk out. And that's about the time you realize, I didn't read my Bible this morning. I probably should go apologize to them. But I ain't in the mood to apologize. I'll try to read my Bible and do it tomorrow. It's necessary that we put living water in. There, there is unlimited power in the Word of God that is given to us through the blood. So just like our, our bodies can't survive without natural water, our spiritual body can't survive without the living water. So the blood washes away our past. The blood washes away our daily mistakes. Thank you, Jesus. And praise God, it is the blood that seals our future. Nothing can wash away the blood. I'm very thankful that I learned the truth of the blood. I, I'm not, I promise I'm not casting a stone, but I'm just telling you. I'm not casting a stone at Pentecostal. I'm, I'm not casting a stone at anything out. I'm just telling you wrong is wrong. And I'm telling you, I spent my whole life being told that the blood could cleanse me on Sunday and I could be lost on Monday. And it made me wonder what good is it. Because a lot of times I prayed on Sunday to be saved, but by Monday I was right back in the same hole I was in on Saturday. 
I couldn't make it from one Sunday to the next without knowing I'd messed up. And so I felt like I was living a life lost and I was on my way to hell and I truly was. The blood is sufficient. When the blood is applied, nothing removes the blood. When my name is written in the Lamb's book of life and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no power on heaven or earth that can remove my name from the book of life. I thank God that the blood is sufficient, the blood is able, and the blood cannot be removed. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 is yet to come, but it says that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Romans chapter 8 says in verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It's all about the blood. It's not a bloody religion. It's a holy, sanctifying, sin-removing, soul-washing, forever-saving blood of the Lamb of God. We are made spotless white through the blood of Jesus Christ. The devil still tells us, you're a sinner. I tell him I know that. But I'm redeemed. We, we may be sinners, but all that's been justified. Justified never done it. The devil, the devil likes to remind me of the greatness of my sin. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The devil likes to remind you, hey, you're no good. God couldn't love you. And, and he reminds you of the greatness of your sin. But that's the point when we remind him in Jesus' name of the greatness of the blood. Of the greatness of the sacrifice. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. And the greatness of the sacrifice is greater than the greatness of my sin. I was reading an article about the blood this week, just studying, looking at some stuff. It said that blood has made up the majority. I, I think the most consistent article called it 55%, but it says it's made up mostly of a clear substance called plasma. It says that plasma is 92% water, 8% nutrients. When the body becomes ill, the blood begins to adjust itself to heal the body. White blood cells are the body's defense team. When a bacteria or an infection enters into the body, the blood generates white blood cells in great numbers, and these white blood cells rush to the area of infection and begin to fight against it. In order for our body to be healthy, our blood has to be healthy. In order for the blood to be healthy, we need a steady diet of good food. We need to drink water, and a little exercise is necessary we have to do some things to take care of ourselves. Now, you just take that and roll that right on over. In order for our spiritual bodies to be healthy, we have to do some things. Number one, we have to be washed in the blood of the Lamb of God that we are a child of God. That's first and foremost. But in order to stay spiritually strong and healthy, we need a steady diet of God's Word. We, we need a steady diet of the living water. We need to spend some time reading. We need to spend some time praying. We need to spend some time fasting. We need to spend some time alone with God. We must exercise our relationship with the Father in order for our spiritual life to remain healthy. But it all starts with the blood. Where there is no blood, there is no life. Voltaire missed it. Doesn't matter how intelligent he is, he missed it. There's a lot of... In Intelligent men and women, unfortunately, in hell because they were too intelligent for their own good. 
They thought in all their own smarts they knew more than the wisdom of God. But God's chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. John Adams missed it. Anybody who denies the blood of the Lamb of God missed it. Because it's all about the blood of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. But in verse number 7 he says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. This morning we are going to celebrate together through communion. It is the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Before you can partake communion together, the reason I went ahead and read that last part, because in the text Paul said in verse number 28, but let a man examine himself. So let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. I want each of us to take a minute to examine ourselves. You know, Sunday mornings honestly can be some of the about as hard a time as any on a family. A lot of frustrations. Everybody trying to get ready. Kids ain't getting ready in time. Husband, wife trying to get dressed, trying to get out the door. Something's got to start. Somebody's got to be here. Somebody's got to be there. There's friction, but the devil loves that. It's not an accident that Sunday mornings can become that way. It's the, it's the devil trying, trying to put that stuff in there because he's trying to get you out of whack before you ever get here. He don't want you to come in here prepared to worship. He doesn't want you to come here expecting to receive something. He wants you to come in here frustrated and bent out of shape. But sometimes Sunday mornings is the very times that we can walk out of the door the most frustrated. And, and we come in here and we, and we bring that. And then God gives us an opportunity to, to settle down. I'm just saying sometimes before we can even partake of communion on Sunday, we just need to spend some time with the Lord. We need to take a little time to to make sure we got things right, to make sure that we're cleansed in the blood, to make sure that all of our sins are forgiven. So I'm going to ask all of you would to bow your heads. I'm going to ask everybody to take just a minute, and I'll tell you, I knew I'd be talking, so I've already spent some time doing this because Lord knows I needed to. And I want to just ask you to spend a little time in prayer, but I, I want to make sure, first and foremost, that everybody within the sound of my voice knows Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. It's not communion to you if you have no communion. It's not communion to you if you have no relationship. You must be a child of the King. You must be a child of God. And the only way to be a child of God is through the blood of the Lamb of God. His name is Jesus Christ, none other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no man that can go unto the Father except through the name of Jesus Christ. So if you've never been saved this morning, today is the day. Paul says, now is the acceptable time. Today is the acceptable day of salvation. Right where you're at, it doesn't matter if you're driving down the road in your car, if you're sitting at home, it I don't care if you're on the lake fishing or sitting in a tree stand. If you've got this on, God bless you. It, it doesn't matter if it's not even Sunday. At the moment you hear this, you can pray right now, Lord, I am a sinner. And I'm asking you to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and save my soul in the name of Jesus. It's up to you. It's not a magic poem. It's not something you get to say and go on about your day. It's surrendering your heart to God. It's asking Jesus Christ to cleanse you in the blood that you might become a child of the King in the name of Jesus. But it's up to you for everybody.